walked into the restroom just a moment ago and it smelled like what 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 I perceived that it smelled like suntan lotion, <laughs> which made me really happy because it just brought back all these memories of uh, I, I love being in the water. I used to spend quite a bit of time out in the Columbia River um, out by, what's the name of it? Sylvie's Island. I would take my kids out there every weekend, every other weekend, take my three children out there and we'd swim in the water and play in the sun. I used to, and we'd have lunch. I used to take poppy seed pound cake as dessert because you couldn't tell when sand got on it. <laughs> and they never were the wiser. <laughs> so I've just been paying attention recently about how our perceptions um, will cluster around our feelings. You know, and, and tell us that this is the reality in this moment. And we can be misled because of that by our aversions, our greeds, our delusions. It's all diluted, you know, if we cling on to these views that this is the way it is. So last week, well, it wasn't last week, a couple weeks ago, when, I, uh, when the war first broke out in Ukraine and I, it was my turn to um, offer some reflections. I had a very hard time emotionally getting through that talk because it was so disturbing to me. And, um, uh, and I was uh, feeling very sad and very, and, and I'm still feeling very sad over the situation. Um, now there's a little more space. Um, Jessica came up with some ideas and shared them with the community via our e-group of ways to donate. A couple other people then also offered ways to donate to help support uh, the refugees. And, um, and the efforts of humanitarian efforts. And, and that was a really beautiful way of focusing our, our grief, you know, our sadness, our feeling of helplessness. Very positive. Reminds me, as some of you have heard this story before, but it reminds me of, um, this is a, an example of two very different perceptions. Two people in contact with each other, in, in relationship with each other, two different views and the effect that our views had on one another. So I'm speaking now about uh, my children and myself, 40 years ago, <laughs> my oldest was seven. And so I had a seven-year-old, five-and-a-half-year-old, and a, a four-year-old. 
and divorced. And they were spending a, a, a Friday night with their dad and coming back to, to me, to my house, the next day. And I was really struggling financially at the time. And uh, I didn't have food in my cupboards to feed the kids over the weekend. And I was so distraught that I called my children because I wanted to talk to them before I talked to my ex-husband. I called my, my oldest son on the phone, talked to him and said, um, I, I'm going to suggest that you spend the weekend with your dad. You spend the entire weekend with your dad and I'll pick you up on Monday, I'll take you to school. And he was like, I don't want to, you know, why? I don't, I don't want to mom. And I said, I know. And I, I really wish you could come, but the truth is, Joshua, I have, I don't have enough food in the house to feed all of us for the weekend. And your dad's got plenty. You'll, you'll do better there. And uh, so I hung up and we hung up and I was crying and just feeling terrible, feeling miserable and feeling like a failure. And, you know, just like, oh my God, what a lousy mother I am. <laughs> and about an hour and a half later, I get a phone call back and it's my son, Joshua. And he says, mom, we can come over. I said, honey, honey, I told you it's going to, it'll be better for you to be there because there's, there's food in the house. It's warm. And, and he says, no, mom, the three of us kids, we went out to the neighborhood and we collected groceries. We just told them we want to go see mom and she has no groceries. And we got six bags of groceries. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. So I'm just sharing this situation because now when I think of this, my heart is just filled with love and joy and beauty. And I'm just like, I'm so proud of my son. You know, just what a beautiful experience. And that was a gift he gave me. 40 years later, I can still think of this and be happy you know, be very appreciative of the circumstance because I got to see a beauty, a tenacity, a resolve of goodness, of generosity, of kindness, of love and support from my seven-year-old son. And I can still, that's still a gift that I get today. But until that phone call, I was miserable. I was putting myself down. I was feeling like, you know, I was really letting my kids down, but I wasn't. <laughs> and my son, who was in a different, had a different framework than I had, you know, he brought to the world, to my world of misery and self-judgment, he brought the gift of generosity, beauty, kindness, love, and that changes the world. Our perception, my perception of the world changed in that moment.
And I did go and pick them up. And we had we had lots of cereal. <laughs> I think the kids really liked cereal. <laughs> but we had lots of canned foods. We, were, we did well. It was really quite sweet. Part of this comes up for me too, in that we're just coming out of the pandemic. We're just uh, able to be, you know, it's no longer mandatory whether or not to wear masks. Jessica has a mask on today because she's got just a common cold, but she took a COVID test. She's fully vaccinated. She doesn't have COVID, but to be, you know, during this time of uncertainty around will there be another surge, she just wears the mask. It's very thoughtful. And as we begin to come back together, you know, we've just we've been apart for a good portion of two years. During that period, Alistair and I were here a lot by ourselves. And over time, it was just, I could feel an ache to have the community come back together. You know, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. You know, and I would get this perception, this idea that it'll be so wonderful to have community again. And sure enough, it felt great. And all these, I, I pick up this cluster out of a little piece that Ajahn Suchito um, spoke about, and I'll read that bit in a little bit, but I just really like this idea that he mentioned of perceptions clustering around, you know, a, a thought, an idea, and how we can grab onto that and think that, okay, there's the world. We've made the world. That's it. That's the way it is. I'm a lousy mother. That's the way it is. Oh, no, I'm a, my, I've raised really generous child not so bad, you know, it's just like thoughts and perceptions cluster around. And we want to understand what that cluster is, what, what is that, what's, what's the feeling that's giving rise to these thoughts, you know, and can we just be with the feeling and not have to cling to the thoughts. This is just the karma, our habit coming up, the thoughts. We don't have to make them real. We don't have to say, oh, this feeling is because you're, I'm lousy. You know, oh, this feeling is because, oh, I'm, I'm really good. These are thoughts that cluster around our feelings. No, and that's, I spoke about space last time that, that I offered reflections. If we have the space to be present with our feelings, then we get to see what are the, our habits that get, give rise to our suffering. We get to see what are those thoughts? What am I believing? You know, can I just be with the feeling? This is a feeling. This doesn't feel good. I'm sad. This doesn't feel good. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that something's wrong, that we have to fix something. It means something is sad. Something's bringing up 
sadness, the situation is sad, what can I do? You know, my son was very sad that I had suggested we not see each other that weekend. And what I did was, it was so painful for me. And Ajahn Sachita speaks about this. It was so painful for me that I, I needed, I felt that I needed to find a way to alleviate the pain. And that was just, you stay with dad. I, I can't handle this pain. And it was painful for him. What he did was find a way that he could come home to me. Two very different clusters of perceptions around the same feeling. We don't get to see each other. It appears we don't get to see each other. Misery, love and compassion. Which one is in your wallet? <laughs> yeah, it's just, and it's great when we can see what we're doing. It's, it's a huge benefit because we can then make the choice. You know, see the reality that both of these are clusters of perceptions. One's leading to a very happy and wholesome, and one's leading to a very miserable and unwholesome. You know, so we get to, if we have the space to really stay with the feelings and acknowledge and understand what caused this to arise, and is there something I can do about it? Or is, there, is it best to just let it be? You know, it's, if we hold on to the perceptions that we have a habit of, you know, that cluster around without understanding what those are, those thoughts, without understanding, if we hold on to those and believe this is why, this is, and so, then we'll, we'll suffer. But if we see it and give some space to it, and understand, oh, this is a cluster of thoughts. Is it beneficial or not? Is it on the path or not? Is it in line with the Eightfold Path or is it not? And if it's not, we don't take action according to that. We don't believe that this is our world. So I'll read this little bit from Ajahn. It's just about a couple of minutes long from Ajahn Suchito. The Parami book, read a lot from this. Page 85 in the section called Realization, the Flowering of Wisdom. What we see with insight is that all our aversion our greed or our worry cluster around perceptions or impressions that we have. They're not innate and they're not self. For instance, when you dislike a person, the person in your mind is actually, actually an accumulation of various impressions that irritate you. The, the perceptions that do otherwise are screened out. You don't remember the person's suffering, virtue or nobility. You remember their tardiness, greediness, or lack of cooperation. In this way, you build up an identical picture of a person based on a few perceptions. 
But if you step out of that through calming the mind, you can investigate and acknowledge the things you weren't noticing. Then it's clear that this isn't a person, this is an impression of them I have created out of aversion. And as you look into that, you learn what your own mind can't tolerate. And as long as that remains the case, you're allowing the picture to have power over you. You require, or you inquire, how has my mind gathered together this particular image? And then you begin to understand that such perceptions are selective impressions based on pain and not, and on, not on being in touch with or not being able to handle the wave of pain. So it gets stuck within us and can't pass. We're sensitive and don't like irritating things. But if we're not wise enough to acknowledge and let go, if we ignorantly shield ourselves from that irritation, these irritants get embedded into anxiety and aversion. You only get past them by looking into them, into how they're caused and letting them pass through you. A story may be useful here. It concerns the man who, as an enormous act of generosity, gave the Sangha at Chittahawaka or Chittahurst, a stretch of woodland. He did so also because he wanted the woodland to be regenerated and managed carefully, and he had ideas about how that would happen. However, on examination, no one else felt his ideas were practical. Because he was very much an ideas person, he was so disappointed that he couldn't come to the monastery for 18 years. I said, I lost my place by looking up. <laughs> Instead, he spent 18 years sitting at home worrying. So during that time, all became, all the people whom he had been in contact about the woodland became figures of aversion for him, both the monks in the monastery and the trust directors. He finally managed to break through this stalemate and he actually came to the monastery to check things out. Somebody took him for a walk in the real woods, not the imagined ideas woods, and he saw how beautiful it was. He said, I've been worrying about how wrong it all was for 18 years, and it's all so perfect. It wasn't the way he wanted it, but he got to see that things didn't have to go in accordance with his ideas, and he gave a big, joyful smile. You could see a huge mass of anxiety and sourness falling off like a terrible scab from the wound inflicted by clinging to ideas. And underneath that, he was fresh and joyful. That's what realization is all about. So with wisdom, we don't have to contract out of experience. We sustain awareness of it and blossom through and out of it naturally just as the lotus grows out of the mine, uh, I mean, out of the mud. And we can enjoy that. For us doers, acknowledging the ability to enjoy, to be open and to receive realization takes wisdom too. So take the time to savor and enjoy the realization. Then it will feed you. Then it will feed back into the assurance that there is an innate wisdom. This is the change of lineage. Rather than belonging to a body, 
to a family, a job, comma, or a mindset, we belong to wisdom. Wisdom is inherent in being human. I like what he says about wisdom is innate. Self is not innate. Self is not who we are. Wisdom is who we are. It's innate in us and we can see it. We can be it. We can follow, be aware, hang out with the process of wisdom as things arise and pass away. Watch, see what happens, acknowledge the results and take advantage of our human mundane habits of, you know, our perceptions clustering around our feelings. Take advantage of this, enjoy the path. That, that this will strengthen us, our ability to stay present with the painful, our ability to stay present with the difficult, with that which challenges us, which that which we would we want to run away from. So I noticed the flowers, they, they came last week, they, the sunflowers came last week and the water in them is very low and some of the flowers are wilted. And we can still enjoy the passing of the beautiful flowers. You know, the beautiful uh, intention of bringing them in the first place, enjoying them, sunflowers, you know, in, uh, in support of Ukraine, that's their flower. Beautiful acts of kindness, being grateful to a community that throws out ideas of how to move forward in our pain and helplessness in a beautiful way. This path doesn't have to be miserable. It is, life is painful, but we don't have to be miserable. So enjoy the spring. You know, Find moments that you can really appreciate. Don't let them pass unnoticed because we're clustered around pain and feeling helpless. Do something that doesn't feel helpless. As I saw, I'll just say this briefly. I'm trying to remember why, why I saw this. There was a little, it was on CNN. There's this little blip about um, a woman who had a candle, a small candle company, 
has a small candle company in some farm outside of city limits and she makes these little candles and she was very distraught about she she's actually hungarian her fan she's third third generation hungarian in the in the states and so she wanted to do something she has relatives um, back there uh, her grandmother's still alive and her grandmother left in world war two was it world war two where world war two anyway and then they they now exist here but uh so she wanted to do something and so she started to make little jars candles of yellow and blue the ukrainian um some uh, flag colors and she put it on her she has a small following on her um facebook or a blog or something twitter i'm not sure what it was and sent it out to friends you know and i'm selling these for 30 dollars then all profits go back to ukraine i'm i'm hoping to raise a thousand dollars or something like that and she thought maybe i can if I sold a hundred, you know, I could send a thousand dollars back. If I was really lucky, I could sell 300. And within a week, she had sold 20,000. <laughs> within like 10 days, she sent off the first check, which is $125,000 to Ukraine, <laughs> humanitarian services, all for bandages and, you know, health taking care of the wounded. And, uh, and so I, I bought one. I went on her blog site. I was so inspired and it felt really good. And I really feel, okay, I'm, I'm part of this. So I bought one of those candles. I've done other things. So I only bought one. <laughs> but, and then <clears throat> as the order comes up, thank you. Uh, we have so many requests that, it may take 12 weeks or longer before you receive your candle. We'll let you know. <laughs> but that's just so beautiful. You know, she's, she's very happy. Her, her father and her mother and her grandmother are all making these candles together, mm. you know, because she's just so overwhelmed. Mm. And now the neighbors have joined in. <laughs> You know, it's just a really beautiful story. And again, it's like my son taking, experiencing the misery that somebody's feeling mm. and turning it into this beautiful sunflower. Mm. And that this is what we can bring to the world. We can bring this to the world. Acknowledging the pain. Yes, there's pain and, and it takes some time. Let this process and then understand what's painful. How do I move forward? How do I bring sunshine into the world? How can I take this very dark moment and turn it into a sunflower? Mm -hmm.